Hello everyone. I'm really, really excited to be here with you this year. Um, my name is Bex, it's Tex and Bex, yes, you have, you have got that right. Um, I am a youth worker in my spare time up in Leeds um, in a church plant. I started a youth group about 10 years ago um, and they are here on site, which is amazing and it's wonderful be, to be back here together, isn't it? Um, I work also for a ch Christian charity called TLG, Transforming Lives for Good, which we're um, going to tell you a load about uh, later on in the week uh, on Thursday. But if you have any um, questions about TLG, Transforming Lives for Good, do grab me any time um, this week and uh, feel free to go to our um, little stand over there. Um, we'll uh, talk to you about anything. Um, so yeah, Transforming Lives for Good. Um, so it is our pleasure. <laughs> um, we, this has been months in the making um, of this stream um, to introduce to you a Chris DeFriend. Chris, where are you? Oh, she's there. She's on the floor. <laughs> um, come on, Chris. Get yourself up here. Um, so Chris um, is a, a child and adolescent psychiatrist, a medical doctor who specializes in mental health. Um, so uh, maybe not the fount of all knowledge, but I tell you what, I was on a Zoom call, a fly on the wall, when uh, Chris was chatting with uh, some of the panel that you'll hear later and uh yeah it was absolutely inspiring so you're gonna really enjoy chris's session um with you today on neurodiversity so yes. off you go sorry just one thing throughout the session if you've got any questions uh, we've got a panel um there is the number to text for text questions they will come through and that's how we're going to field questions throughout the day so feel free to send through at any time don't wait till the end um, but we're ready for that can I just pray for us before we we get ready to hear from Chris Lord Jesus we want to thank you that you are good faithful I want to thank you that you are at work at this site thank you that you are at work in our youth groups and in our campsites God I do want to pray that as we uh, listen to Chris and the panel this morning. Would you please come and give us wisdom? Would you give us uh, courage? Would you give us a sense of your kingdom today? I pray would we all leave here with a greater sense of your kingdom, how diverse it is, how beautiful it is. But God, we do pray would you be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start by doing a 25-minute session that will be interactive because um, I guess that many of you won't have had much sleep maybe last night and that some of you might not want to sit still. Um, and then we're going to have a panel um, with Rachel and Emma and we'll introduce them when we get to that bit for the second half and that's what the questions are for. Um, so, um, and just to say, I'm going to hang around after lunch today. If anybody, we're not going to cover much today but we are going to cover the important bits that God wants to give you um, so if anybody wants to ask more talk more then I'll be around this afternoon in here just hanging around having a coffee so please come and join me um, first of all I just need to do a disclaimer um, the views that I'm going to bring today are not those of my Royal College um, they're also not the views of my employing trust um, they're my views um, as a follower of Christ as somebody who's been trained in adult and then child psychiatry and um, also somebody who's learnt huge amounts from fabulous young people and their families that I've met over the many years. <laughs> um, so today I need to be really clear. Um, we are just looking at neurodevelopmental difference. 
Um, we aren't covering learning disability or physical disability. And sometimes disability and neurodevelopmental difference happen together, and sometimes they're separate. They're not the same thing, but God has been really challenging me just overnight watching the Paralympians um, to just recognize that their perspective might be that actually um, very much of this applies today to them in their disabilities. So um, this is about our minds being open to God's view, God's kingdom view of people and the way he's created them. And that is so exciting. Um, so having talked with the panel um, I'm confident we could he keep you here for about five weeks and just talk about so many exciting things. Um, but there's a reason why God's given us 50 minutes. Um, because what he has for you is not about specialist knowledge and skills. He gives you love, wisdom and discernment. And you are already more equipped than you know. And I just want to pause for a second because when I was praying about you guys this morning... I, I was just so filled with utter huge thankfulness. Um, our third child is working their way through New Day now. And I just want to say as a parent that I am so, so grateful that you give up not just a week of really hard, amazing time at New Day, but that you give up time weekly to help us with our parenting of our children, to grow our children as disciples of Christ. We couldn't do without you. And I'm beyond grateful from the bottom of my heart, and, and my husband would say the same. So, so thank you, is, is thank you. And I, I wanted to say that before I then deluged you in, <laughs> with the sense I had from God of how much he loves you and delights in you, which was the other wave that hit me far bigger than my gratitude. Um, and, and you know it, but you need to know it. So that's where we start from. And the the picture God gave me when I was praying and prepping about today, I've completely forgotten to time myself. Can you time me? 25. I've got to stop at 25. Um, the picture God gave me when I was prepping today is about you having starting blocks like sprinters um, to give you a push off into new ways of understanding yourselves and youth. Um, so that's where, that's where we're aiming today. And I believe that God has some kingdom revelation to bless you with. And I've been seeing this revelation set hearts and relationships on fire. And I'm talking about relationships as in marriages, families, extended families, church families, church teams, youth teams, friendships, and so on. And that is God's abundance for us. And you might say, Chris, we came to learn about youth we came to help youth, and I believe God says to you that there is so much blessing for you and your relationships and in your care of youth, and so that's what today's about. So I'm going to pray on top of Texas prayer. Lord God, we worship you who made our brains so beautifully and uniquely. Thank you that we are known by you and so loved. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You're already here. Please open our eyes and soften our hearts. Amen. So, God made it really clear, relatively late on, that we had no IT, we had no projectors, we had nothing like that. We, I was pleased about the microphone. Um, so, that was crazy, and it's totally outside my comfort zone. So, we're going to do participation. It might work. It might not. 
but I'm loved by God, so I'm going to cope with the embarrassment if it goes appallingly wrong. Um, so I need 11 volunteers. Please, before you volunteer, I need people who can concentrate on a talk at the same time as doing something. The first five I need need to be able to stand for a period without difficulty. The next four I need need to be able to kneel without difficulty. And I need two with good dexterity. Okay, so can I first have the five who can stand who are happy to concentrate at the same time? Hands up, please. Yes, please. Come up here. Come here. Oh, that's only two. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, yes, please. And yes, please. And if I've got more than that, that's fine. One, two, three, four, five. Fabulous. Okay, so the next four I need who can kneel. Please just keep coming up, and if you see someone meeting the number of four, then stop. And I need two with good dexterity, please who are gifted in dexterity. Okay, fabulous, thank you. How many do I have? Oh, I'm moving up. Excellent. So, we have a really stinky rope. Sorry, in advance. Um, and we're going to um, turn it into a living model, because I can't show you a slide. So, um, what I'm needing to do is I need the five people who can stand to take this rope. We're going to form a, an oval on its side, this way. Okay. Yeah, and... I need you across the top, just the top, one hand on the rope. Oh, one hand on the rope. Fabulous. Fabulous. And one hand, I need you to put like, like this here. So one hand on the rope. Yeah, you're going to have to. Yeah, that's true. So you need a third hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Okay, so that's fine. So I need a one hand holding. I need the other hand coming through like that, just as a fist. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Now, those that are kneeling, can you come and sit, kneel in front of them and do exactly the same in reverse? So I need one hand on the rope, pulling it into a nice oval shape, and the other hand I need... You probably need to be on the other side of the rope. Sorry, should have explained that. There we go. And there's some instructions under your knees. Lovely. So, fabulous. One hand on the rope and one above like a... That's fine. I need one more person. That's all right. No, we'll probably be okay with three, actually. Right, so who am I... Fantastic, excellent. There's some balls of wool over there. I have under your knees. Sorry. Thank you so much. This is for when I don't explain it well. This is the explanation. What I need is for you to come around the front and I need you to take each ball of wool one at a time and I need you to join one of these down here with any of these but just one at a time and, and wind it round and then choose another point and wind it round and you can cross over as much as you like but let's start with bottom going up to top does that make any sense and there's the instructions if it doesn't okay try not to cut off circulation because we'll have problems otherwise so while they're doing that I'm going to carry on talking if that's okay So, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made, and we are known by our Father God. We are all differently made by our God. And our world, in my opinion, has got a bit muddled about how it looks at un our uniqueness. We call it things like disorder. We put it in boxes to separate it out from normal. Now, in all my 51 years, I haven't met normal yet. No offense to everybody I've met, and I've met a lot of people. I haven't met normal and I've checked, it doesn't say normal in the Bible. It doesn't. So we've, we've done that as humans. And I'd like us to think about ditching that today. We are all unique in so many ways. And some of our difference, some of our uniqueness, and only some of it, is called neurodevelopmental difference. 
In years gone by, people noticed some differences between people in how they communicated, how they connected with others, in preference for detail, for order, for repetition, and they labelled it autism or Asperger's. We now know it as autism spectrum condition. People also noticed that some people thought faster, acted faster, slept less, and did a lot better learning outside when they were doing things. And we called it ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I hope by describing it this way, you can understand that we could also describe groups of people who sleep more or think slower, calm pond thinkers, as I call them. People who are more focused on the big picture. But we didn't. We didn't describe them like that. We didn't put them in a box. Well, until autistic people decided to go back one and say, everybody who's not us is neurotypical and did it the other way around. But other than that, we've left huge chunks of difference untalked about. It's coming on beautifully, thank you. You will have young people in your groups with some of the labels that I've just mentioned. And I hope that having a label or a diagnosis might mean that the young person knows a little bit about how their brain and their body is wired. And maybe, though not always of, as often as it should, you, they might have come with tips or strategies or communication plans that mean you know how to help them engage with you and with God. I just encourage you, always ask parents, because sometimes they won't twig that you need it. Because sometimes their brains process in different ways and they might not think to give it to you. So always ask. And I recognise that many young people will not come with any of that. And I know that because we've experienced it in our church. So I also hope that today we'll give you a starting point for how to think about that. As well as those labels and diagnoses, there are many in your groups without labels who are quietly managing or trying to, or actually suffering. Sometimes without any knowledge about how their brain or body works. And some of the disordered eating, the gender, gender identity confusion, the self-harm and the suicidal behaviour that we've seen, particularly post-COVID, but happening before then actually, has been arisen in a context of people not knowing how their brain and their body works. And that's them and their parents. It won't be the whole explanation. That's what's so great about this week. You're going to get so much different information about all the different factors that play a part and we know that um we know that people are impacted by so many factors and we'll talk about some more of those in a minute um but when i've been helping young people and their families with self-harm or with restriction of diet for example one of the most powerful interventions beyond any medication that i prescribe beyond anything else is the understanding of how their brain and their body works so thank you so much this is amazing. So we're going we're gonna to ditch labels in a minute. And I know that I, I didn't have time today to talk to you about what autism actually is in terms of how the world describes it. I'm here all afternoon. If you want to come and ask me, I'll tell you more. The same with ADHD. I'm trying to give you a bit of a launch pad rather than loads of information. So I'm going to try and explain what this is. Wait one second. I think I can do this with a microphone in my hand. 
Okay, so here's a melon. <laughs> we have no IT, I'm just telling you. Here's a melon. Okay, watch. Imagine this is, imagine this is my head. <laughs> I couldn't pretend to chop my own head, thank you, in half, but, but imagine I did, and it looked like this. This is a slice of brain that you can see. It's a lovely, regular shape. <laughs> okay, wait one sec. This is, a, this is a slice of brain. Okay. Each hand that you see in here is an area of the brain. And the wool are connections between the areas of the brain. And those people that have what we would term autistic neurodevelopmental difference. This is the kind of connection that happens in their brain on a daily basis. This is the sort of busyness that happens in their brain on a daily basis. And when they're trying to talk to you or eat food in front of people, this is what they're dealing with. And somebody who might be termed neurotypical, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if it's going to work, and it's even, it's even fewer areas joined together in thought than I've undone. But it, if you could see the scan that we have to show this, it's really quite incredible to see how, how, how detailed the connections are, how busy the brain is. And it might not look like that on the outside, but that's what they're very often dealing with. In every variety of brain, we can live in the light of what the Holy Spirit um, helps us do. Okay, we can live in the light of how our brains are beautifully, beautifully designed. Thank you so much, people. Please drop the wool. I will ask you to come back for one more illustration, but not with the wool, I promise. Thank you so much. Round of applause for our volunteers. Okay. Am I right for time, Kev? Okay, I believe that the kingdom perspective is beyond labels. I much prefer to think about us as all fearfully and wonderfully made jigsaws. Um, and before we talk about difference anymore, we need to remember that the top priority for every youth member, every person who's here, is salvation. Salvation. <laughs> um, and coming with that, the knowledge that they are loved. And so, core, you won't be able to see this, but in, in this jigsaw, there are three hearts. I've chosen secure, accepted, and significant, just to represent that our identity in Christ is core and central to all of this. Everything else is around that. Around that. Okay. So, if I was filling in this jigsaw for, for myself, say... And I'm not going to reveal too much because that would be giving too much away. But say, say the sorts of things I might be able to put in would be, I could put in a piece of jigsaw saying visual processor. I could put in a piece of jigsaw that says extrovert. I could put in a, in a piece that says fast brain. I could put in a photo of a brain scan or a wool tapestry that shows that my brain is really connected and lots happens all the time. Or I could put things in black and white or thinks in straight lines, or has thoughts that go round and round. I might add a piece that says, finds it easier to connect with animals and creation than humans. And around this, we might add things like culture, and experiences, 
And some of those might be positive experiences and some of those might be traumatic. And we might add things like losses. There's so much rich context that our young people and we ourselves come from and, and are in. And that needs to be part of it. But it's around it rather than part of us. So I'm hoping that framework will help join things together for you. We're known by, such, um, known by God in such detail and we're loved by him in so much detail. And I'm not pushing anyone into self-analysis. Okay, let's be really clear about that. What I am saying is that some of our youth team in our church have really had fun sitting down with a friend or a spouse and filling out some of the bits of jigsaw that they know about themselves, asking God to help them with that. And it's brought real freedom. So, talking about difference can induce a lot of fear. It's important not to think about it as any kind of ceiling or limiter, but as keys to be the people that we were designed to be by God. The enemy really doesn't want this unity and freedom to happen, and yet there's huge blessing, and God's going to pour it out anyway. He's going to bless the church mightily through us understanding this better. Closing our eyes to difference doesn't change the fact that we're all uniquely made. And it's really vital that you as youth leaders don't think that your job now involves you analysing or assessing or assigning labels for the young people you work with. There's nothing like that going on. It's loving them in Jesus like you do. It's seeking to understand, um, it's, 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 it's seeking to know them, to know them, to attend to them, to be aware of them. And it's seeking to understand the why of how our youth behave. And that's particularly important in all of the risk behaviours that many of your young people will be involved in or have been involved in. It's particularly helpful to understand the why of behaviour when we're faced with behaviour that makes us feel frightened as people, as adults, or angry or manipulated. It's really helpful to think about this. And when I'm thinking about, when I'm talking about um, understanding the why of behaviour, I'm not saying that we need to be understanding about sin or explain it away. Um, so, for example, at work, when I'm thinking about a young person, I try and think in a way of, I want to understand the why behind your behaviour, and it is and it is not okay to hit that person. And we need to hold the two together at the same time. It's a bit like the concept of lion and lamb, when it breaks your head slightly to think about Jesus as lion and lamb, and yet both are true at the same time. And it's really important to start thinking a little bit like that because when you hold both in your head, even though it feels like it's going to break, a little miracle happens. And, well, I can't put it in words, but it's really good. You should try it. Um, so I'm also talking about um, when we understand behavior, we're not expecting the world or raising young people that expect the world to be um, organized around their needs. It simply, it simply isn't possible. The more we start looking at jigsaws that are this detailed, the more we realize there's no way you're going to cover everybody's needs. There isn't, okay? Um, but we get the opportunity to grow young people in gradually taking responsibility um, of, of, getting their need, of meeting their own needs, of working out how to um, get themselves engaging with God and with others. And, and that, is our, that is our pleasure and our joy. We're growing godly adults, and that means equipping the saints to live in the light of how God made them. And if we as loving church want to make, make adjustments, make changes, make things accessible, then that's loving and lovely. But what we want the young people to do is not to expect it. We want them to take responsibility for what they need to do to connect with us and God, other people and God. And that's really important. So, 
Could I have my wonderful um, volunteers up for the brain again? We're going to just do a little bit of one more explanation and then we're going to do um, a, a skill, a strategy for you all to practice. Kev, what is the time? 18, cool. Could we do the brain again, the brain slice again, please, just as it was without the wool, please? And I need the two people who did the wool still to do something different this time. Thank you so much. So, when we think about the why of a behavior, if we go back to the heart, it's a really good place to start. We might not know what our young people have been through. We might not know how their brain and body is wired. And, and it doesn't mean that you need special skills, but just wondering about this, just thinking about the why, your heart will soften slightly. Your compassion will grow. It's so powerful and so amazing when it happens. So, where am I to... So, oh, wow, he's told you how to tell. Oh, you're amazing. So, fantastic. So, if everybody could put their hands behind their backs, but not the ones that are on the ropes, well, well interpreted, could my two volunteers come behind... And one of them put their fist into the middle, please. Okay, so thank you. I will ask on you in just a second. So, so in, the, in the brain, there's a really amazing little bit called the amygdala, okay? Sorry that you're around the corner. I keep noticing. Um, there's there's a, a really special part called the amygdala, and that deals with fear and all our big emotions, okay? And... Many people, especially those that have autistic bits to their jigsaw, so autistic bits of difference, have an extra active amygdala, okay? So could you join your fist together, please, just to show that's got bigger. You need to come along. So there we go. There we go. Excellent. So, and when an emotion hits, it fires off. So, yes, it fires off like that, okay? So, so and some people are wired for that to happen big, fast and stay high okay and you may all know people in your lives you may yourself be wired like that or you may have young people that come to mind so what's important to know is that people who who are wired like that it isn't their fault that they get big emotions it's not that they're being like difficult or anything like that they're actually wired like that and it has huge positive because they can feel passion injustice and all sorts of amazing emotions that serve us as a world so very well and we wouldn't want to be without them okay people who have big emotions so what I also wanted to add in is that this is the thinking part of the brain this bit here okay and there are connections that happen between the thinking part of the brain and the amygdala and they they kind of do the thoughts that say you felt this yesterday and everything was fine. And it dulls the emotion down, okay? So we, we all have thinking brains and they do that, okay? So I'm pretending to be the connections between the thinking brain and the amygdala. We know that people with autistic bits of jigsaw have fewer connections from the thinking part of the brain to the amygdala in the middle. And that means they don't get the calm down thoughts. So not only do they get the big explosion of emotion, but nothing's coming from here or very much less is coming from here to calm it down. It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. And I hope that 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 person that you got into mind in your life or in your youth group who has big emotions, that you noticed as I explained that, that just knowing that and understanding that made your heart soften a little. And I know your, your hearts are so soft already. I know that. But God has such... Love to pour out in his church, and this is one of the one of the ways he's doing it. Okay, thank you so much, mighty warriors. Round of applause again for our volunteers. And now, if everybody, everybody who, 
Everybody who can stand and wishes to stand, I'm going to teach you a bit of a skill, a bit of a strategy. Um, you don't have to stand. It's, it's partly I'm doing it because I know some people have been not sleeping very well, and if they don't stand up in this heat, they're going to start dozing off. Um, and second of all, some people need to stand up because they get all wiggly when they sit down for long periods, and that's, that's good. So we're going to stand up. So let's imagine that a young person turns up in your group agitated and distressed. And I'm going to try and teach you a skill with actions because, and this does not come easy to me because I am not a youth worker, so forgive me to do it with the microphone. is going to be really interesting. So first thing I want you to do is... first thing I want you to do is put your hands on your chest here in the midline and on your belly here in the midline. Okay? Thank you. So, the first thing that we're going to do when the young person comes in is not rush to them necessarily. You're, you're next to them, you're with them, but you're actually going to notice what's happening in your body. And it's often happening in the midline of your body, which is why I've got you to put your hands in the middle. Just notice it. You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to make it go away. Just notice it. And what you're doing is you are self-validating. You are telling your body that the God-given gift of emotions has been received. You've, it's communicated to you that something's going on. You don't have to label it. You can call it something if you want, but you don't have to label it. Just notice it. And for many of us who have big emotions, it's quite hard to do that. So you might have to practice. And it's quite hard to do that because when we have big emotions, we try and avoid them because they're difficult and big. And so do our young people. So just noticing where you are means that the emotion doesn't keep needing to go off in that amygdala. It doesn't keep needing to fire because you've received the message. Okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is something you will probably do already, and that is to ask God for wisdom. Okay? And I can tell you now that I have met godly men and women who know more about how the brain works and how people work and how to help them than many professionals, and myself included. Wisdom trumps everything. So asking for wisdom in the moment is really cool. So we validate ourselves, we pray, and then we turn to validate the young person. Now, the urge when you meet with a young person who's agitated is to make it go away for them. And many of you may be really wise and don't do that straight away, but the urge is there to make it better, and that's how we love. But the truth is what we need to do is, first of all, to notice them, to notice what's going on for them, and then just reflect it back without passing judgment on it, without labelling it necessarily. So what we, what we might say is, I'm noticing you're feeling something big. I can't tell exactly what it is, but I'm noticing that it's big. Full stop. Or we might say, you seem really angry um, at the moment, and, and with what's going on, that seems understandable to me. So we're not trying to make it go away. We're not solving it. It's particularly helpful to say to a, to a teenager, I'm noticing you're feeling something, but I can't tell exactly what it is because a lot of our teenagers, their faces and their non-verbals won't match what they're feeling inside. So we don't want to really assume, all right? So it's really cool to just go, it's big, I'm noticing it. And what happens when, when you do that is that the emotion has done its job of communicating to you so it can dial down, all right? And so what's amazing is that then the young person will often pop up with a bit of a strategy themselves that will be much more fitting for their situation than what you would have come up with. So what you're doing in the first place when you, when you self-validate is you are grounding yourself. 
And you're allowing God's wisdom to flow through you because you're dealing with your own emotions so that you're nice and flat line for them. And then you're praying and asking God's wisdom and then you are validating the young person. Now, have I got one more minute? One of the reasons why a lot of the risk behaviours, and it's only one, one of the reasons why the risk behaviours have happened in our teens is because they are doing their very best to deal with very big emotions. And when you starve yourself, those emotions for a short period will reduce. It doesn't work in the longer term. And when, and when you do when you self-harm and stuff like that, something happens, something changes, the emotion gets dealt with in some kind of way, and it might not be adaptive and it might not be helpful, but these are often strategies. And there's a lot of jigsaw pieces behind the why of risk behaviours, but it's really important that we start to think about them. So I'm going to finish um, by just saying that that skill of validation, that last part of the third, is really cool to try when your flatmate or your partner or your friend walks in and says, I've had a terrible day at work. And your temptation, if you're like me, might be, why don't you leave then? Or why don't you um, stop, making it, um, stop taking it? Why don't you stop taking it? Or you try and cheer them up instantly. Try just once and see what happens if you say, that sounds like a tough day. Just try it. It will transform your relationships. You don't have to try those words exactly, but you get the gist of it. You just have to notice what they're feeling and, and just observe and just reflect back that you've got it. And then you'll notice things just drop. And it's just wonderful. What it brings in relationship is such a blessing. So to finish, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and so are our young people. Difference isn't disorder. Allowing there to be a why behind behaviours allows our compassion to grow even larger. And some people are wired to have big emotions. And to help them, we need to notice and validate our own emotions, ask God for wisdom, and then validate them. Thank you. We'll move to panel. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Wasn't that brilliant? Really practical, loads of food for thought. Um, we really appreciate you, Chris, and all your wisdom. Um, we're going to do a, um, a little bit of question and answer now with a panel. Um, so if you were late in and didn't know, we've got a number up here, 0789612323229. Um, if you have any questions and you want to... Um, text those questions to that number feel free um, and then we'll try to answer it on the panel um, and if we don't have loads of questions that's okay um, we might even just try that um, that technique you've just uh, given us so brilliantly validating self validating them and then praying um, maybe that's something that we can try at the end but um, yeah if you um, want to ask some questions then please do text in the number um, I'll give you two minutes Ooh. So, I've got some wonderful humans with me here on this panel, um, some of which I've only recently met, but others, one I do know very well. Um, let's start on the end. This is Emma. Um, Emma, would you, actually, I'm going to just give it to you. Um, would you just introduce yourself? Um, go for it. 
The wire and the mic is uh, is an interesting dynamic, but we're going to work with it. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Emma. Um, when I am not a new day, I am an educational psychologist. I currently work in Berkshire, and I uh, work with, if you haven't met an educational psychologist before, I work with children and young people aged 0 to 25 who have additional needs. Um, I tend to work in schools. That tends to be where I find myself most. Um, and I also have um, been for the last few years running a ministry for children with additional needs in our kids church so it runs in parallel to our kids church one and our kids church two so key stage one key stage two uh, kids work groups where we offer a more specialist um way of teaching the gospel sharing the bible and um, supporting and loving the children in our church who have additional needs so that's me Hi, I'm Rachel. I live in Leeds. Uh, I'm a member of a, a fairly small church plant. I'm a youth leader there, but I'm also uh, a mother and a wife of two neurodiverse people. Brilliant. You've met Chris. You've met me. Um, I, well, for those of you who are a bit late, um, my name is Bex. I uh, started and lead a youth group up in Leeds at the Oak Church. Actually, Rach is a youth worker. She's on our team. Um, and we have several young children um, that have autism and uh, other needs. And so this is something that we as a church are already thinking about and in discussion with our senior leadership on how we can create safe spaces um, for our young people um, to uh, encounter God that they feel comfortable in because um, often um, they are disengaging when in a church context in a normal family service or even in the youth space so that's something that we are journeying with um, so if you want to come and talk to us about it at the end um, feel free and um, we'd love to chat to you okay Okay, so let me see if I can get these. Um, oh, thanks, yeah. Um, how do you approach uh, the subject of the why of behavior with parents, especially if they come across like, whoop, especially if they come across like they don't see anything but bad behavior? So, yeah, the par- it's the parent question. Uh, So my journey with my child was that I was unaware she had uh, issues for quite a few years and then gradually came to a realisation. So I definitely was that parent who didn't understand, didn't see that there was an issue and thought it was just bad behaviour. And I've had to undergo quite a revolution in my brain in order to understand and not react in that way. Um, How do you deal with it? It's tricky, isn't it? It's maybe not... uh, I would say don't tell them they're wrong. Don't tell them their child clearly has autism or ADHD. Perhaps when they express an opinion about why it's happening or often uh, try and excuse it, perhaps just take that and then say, uh, I wondered if X or Y, or is this something that happens at home or in difficult situations before. So those would be my suggestions on how to start that difficult conversation. 
Yeah, I think it's really important to recognise that um, many parents will be on a journey with their young person, um, no matter what their needs are. And so I think being able to walk on that journey with them and um, just offering them a lot of a, a safe space to chat, um, the love and compassion, working really closely with them to help them understand their young person, but also to help for them to help you understand the young person is really important. I think the wondering questions are really helpful. Um, and, and also, uh, I think practically, just keeping an eye on perhaps when there is if there are patterns in behavior so are there certain times in a day in a youth session at church that are more challenging or um, are easier for a young person because sometimes if we can work out what the patterns of behavior are we might be able to start to work out what is actually going on for that young person even if they can't label it themselves as well so I just say yeah if you can thinking a little bit about with the with the adult um, what the patterns are and then wondering with them a little bit about what might be underlying the behaviour because often what we see is not what's going on under the surface. Great. Um, how can we support neurodiverse young people um, when their behaviour is disrespectful to the team and young people and proving disruptive in a larger context? I've been asked to repeat the question twice, so I'm going to do that. Um, how can we support neurodiverse young people when their behaviour is disrespectful to team and young people and proving disruptive in a larger context? We're all fighting over the mic or not. Um, yeah, so I think this is a really common question that we come up with. Um, I think it depends on the, the behaviour. It depends on the young person. I think trying to map out the behaviours a little bit is really helpful. Um, as I said earlier, sort of thinking about when are those when are those behaviours happening? Um, what happens before um, that young person is perhaps showing a level of distress or dysregulation? Um, and then I think from the perspective of, of managing that there's you know the the, Chris, the tools that Chris taught us about um, you know being able to pause just recognize what's going on for ourselves because it can feel really difficult for us as youth leaders if a young person is being disrespectful it, it really sets something off in us and it can cause us to feel a level of being kind of a bit on edge as well so recognizing how it feels for us and then thinking about what do you think that young person might benefit from the most? So actually, would it be um, somebody physically present with them? Or actually, would it be having a designated safe space or a calm space for them to go? I think safe space can sometimes be a slightly unhelpful word because it sort of infers that everywhere else is not safe. But maybe a chill space, a calm space. Um, perhaps that young person needs um, a few kind of activities um, that can help them. Sometimes young people are disruptive or challenging because they're bored or because they're anxious or because they can't communicate or actually if they struggle with processing lots of verbal information and everything's done verbally at youth they, they, they're just zoning out they're just they're not actually engaging because that's not the way their brain works so I would just say start to try and be curious about why that's happening and think about other things that you can offer to try and meet the need that is not being met that you're seeing So, obviously, the disrespecting can be in many different ways. So, sort of from a safeguarding perspective, make sure everyone's safe, number one. You know, if it's physical disrespecting, then you need to get them and whoever they're disrespecting into a safe place. 
Uh, but if it's less than that, certainly lower level disrespecting might be no eye contact, appearing not to be concentrating. But maybe all of those noises they're making, all those movements they're making, the fact that they're looking down and drawing instead of looking at you may mean that they're actually trying really hard to concentrate because it's quite a common thing not to be able to look at the person, not to be able to make eye contact. And in order to reduce those sensory inputs of the intensity of a stare, they have to look down and do something else to allow their brain to concentrate. That's so good. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about sensory difference today because there just wasn't time in their, their time. But I will be here this afternoon and I'm happy to talk anybody through sensory difference if they want to know about it. Um, but I think it's also really important to think about having limits. And in the younger age, great, age group, we often look at rules. And I think and we, our, our youth leaders use them with the older age group too. We need to have limits. We need to know what's acceptable and what's not. Um, and what we need to remember is that we need to watch when we're reinforcing stuff we don't want to happen. And so with teenagers, you have to grab that atomic behavior that is a behavior you want to see more of, and you need to notice that and, and, and land on that as much as you can with as much enthusiasm as passion, and then not do that when they're doing something which is not what you want to see. So you blow on the thing you want to see more of, and you ignore and dial down and put limits around the thing you want to stop. So good. I love this panel. Um, I uh, just would like to add, um, grace, grace, and more grace. Um, we're, not, we're not the professionals um, in uh, neurodiversity, and that's okay. Um, and so just, just be giving yourself grace and the child grace. Um, yeah, I think that's probably all I need to say. Um, you mentioned chen, uh, gender identity confusion as a potential consequence of young people not receiving adequate support for their new diversity. Could you please explain that connection further? <laughs> oh, it's a big one. Um, have we got all day? Um, why is it that many autistic people, including Oh, sorry. Including uh, those who have received support are more likely to be part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, so this is when we need five weeks. But um, so there's loads of jigsaw pieces that we could talk about. Let's I'll just talk about two. One is that if you know that you are different, but you can't figure out why and you're looking around at other people, that our world is screaming, it's your gender identity at the moment. So the answer you will get from your friends is it's probably that you're not male or you're not female or that you need to be non-binary. So that is, a, that is a narrative they have spoken over them. Okay, And I'm not saying that some people don't have really important biochemical, structural, um, genetic reasons why they are experiencing difference in gender. Let's be really clear, we cannot be black and white about this. But for those that have not been provided for a good enough, with a good enough narrative that resonates with their experience of life and having a heart and a, and a head, as they do, they will seek other narratives. And that's what our world is offering at the moment. And the second chunk is that sensory difference, if you don't know that you have sensory difference, then you will experience things like hair growing in your legs or bits wobbling on your body that didn't used to wobble as really disconcerting. And when you hit your periods, so one of the senses we talk about is interoception, which is how your organs and your guts feel. Um, if you've got really sensitive receptors, which often people on spectrum do in a variety of different ways, you will experience periods as a massive disruption to your brain and your heart. It will knock you off your 
off your spot. And so, again, people will see you being upset around that time and people might label that as something. But it's really important that you know that your body is wired to respond in a particular way to things. And so if people can help people understand that maybe having hair on your body feels really dysregulating for you, you can find ways around it without it necessarily meaning something else. So that's just, that is tiny. Thank you. Um, last question. <laughs> last question. Um, can you give your thoughts on supporting, affirming, working through negative emotions? For example, um, someone having an extremely strong, sad emotion causing a reaction both in an isolated time and an ongoing situation. I'll say it again because I've been told. <laughs> Um, can you give your thoughts on supporting, affirming, working through negative emotions? For example, someone having an extremely strong, sad emotion causing a reaction, both in an isolated time and an ongoing situation. I thought you wanted it then. <laughs> you were like, no. Um, yeah, so I think, this is, I think it's really important to recognise that children and young people with additional needs are a lot more at risk of developing other mental health needs um so anxiety depression um and other you know you know other needs uh, in addition to that i think you know just pinpoint to but they they really are more at risk um and um i think in terms of sadness and, and feeling an overwhelming sense of sadness. Again, we're trying to be, uh, help the young person to maybe understand that a little bit, but some young people really don't understand their emotions. They just have that sensation. Um, oh, that's a very large spider that has just fallen from the sky. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Um, yeah, if anyone likes spiders and wants to come and deal with that, well, you are really welcome. Um, or, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm now like a bit worried that one's going to come on my head. Speaking of anxiety, um, cool. So, um, yeah, just to get, you know, thinking about thinking about um, the the emotions that a young person is feeling and the strength of that emotion. Um, I think it's really important to think about practical strategies that can help that young person. Um, and we often talk about this. Uh, I guess you know, even at New Day, we're thinking about um, is that young person eating? sleeping are they regularly exercising and getting out and these are very practical things because they can be important for a young person's kind of physiology like they're literally what is going on in their body um thinking a little bit about do they have any uh activities that they're involved with so thinking about some of those aspects of their daily life um and their their week that might be lacking? Do they have social connection? You know, are they, have they got somewhere to process their emotions and talk about their emotions? So thinking about some of those really practical elements um, of supporting those young people, um, because if we can start there, often we can start to see a change. And, you know, and I guess it doesn't need saying, but sometimes it does, um, that we just need to pray for our young people, pray that they experience joy, pray that they uh, know the sense of community in church family, pray that they feel included and welcome and accepted uh, for who they are. So I think all of those things can really make a difference in how a young person feels, but also thinking about some of those really practical physiological things as well. Uh, so I'd just like to say um, it's different, but my experience has been that in the acute episode of that strong emotion, uh, trying to talk through it 
is not a good idea. So just finding that calm air place, maybe usually with somebody in the vicinity will help, but the talking comes afterwards once those emotions have calmed down and their brain's able to uh, not be overwhelmed with the emotion and process things. Um, so I can't, I don't really want to add to all of that because it's such wisdom. I, th I think the only thing I would add is that um, emotions are gifts. They are gifts and they happen in response to things and that our children and young people and you guys in here have suffered such loss, especially in the last few years. And so there, there will be a lot of sadness around and, and God is really clear in his word about how he, how he, experiences sadness jesus experiences sadness and how god responds to sadness with comfort and compassion and joy in the morning and um and that is just such an amazing thing to be able to give for our young people i do think that when when they're experiencing an emotion we talk we talk about a wave skill so the idea that you sit with them and let them experience it and you can actually ask them what, and if then some teenagers will literally thump you if you say this so you have to choose your moment but you can say it with younger children you can say you know wh where where are you feeling that in your body and if you can say it like you're confident they won't think you're a total weirdo and and when you they do that what you're doing is you're helping them notice what their body just like I taught you to do it for yourself um, and that can be really helpful and then the other bit is that when we have um, a big emotion it comes with an action urge and sadness comes with social withdrawal withdrawing away from things and and that's the lie that sadness the enemy kind of capitalizes on that and teaches people to withdraw from people who love them and activities that they love doing and so what we teach people to do is once you've acknowledged the emotion once you've worked worked through it and, and everything like that it's about doing the opposite act opposite so when the emotion makes you want to stay away from people get with people spend time with people do the things that used to bring joy and that is a really vital strategy for people amazing um I think we need to draw it to a close, but should we give these guys a round of applause? Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here and sharing your um, expertise. Ooh, I've just lost my jumper. I will step out of that. Um, don't need one on a hot day like today anyway, do we? Um, uh, yeah, so we'll draw today to a close. Um, we love you guys. Um, we have been praying for you guys for the last few months, just that you would um, really have a really uh, time away from your young people and just some time to grapple with the bigger things that you're you I'm sure dealing with in your own youth groups um, so I'm going to close and pray um, but just to say um, that um, obviously on the program um, that you might have had um, uh, the um, seminars have changed a little bit so I'm just going to tell you um, what's happening in here so today was Chris with neuro neurodiversity tomorrow is Jay Vessel on racial diversity um, Thursday is Livy um, from Transforming Lives for Good um, and she's going to be looking at trauma um, and Friday is Sophie and she's going to be looking at transgenderism um, so um, yeah um, we would love you to come and join us um, there's some great people there that with some really rich knowledge and wisdom 
Um, and also youth culture, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've got a little bit, bit, bit bigger since 2019 when we were last together. Um, so we have our youth culture cafe, which is fantastic. Um, and we would love um, to journey with you as youth culture um, over the years, um, months and years. Um, and so if you are interested in getting emails and um, signing up with us, you were, would be more than welcome to do that. We would love you to um, uh, do that journey with us. Um, text is at the back he has really old school a piece of paper and a pen um, if you'd like to put your name and your email um, with him uh, just to journey with us as youth culture as a group of people that are seeking to love our young people um, then sign up with him um, let me pray for us and then let's uh, get out there um, I was, uh, as I was walking down, I was thinking about this verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your Spirit. Thank you for your spirit that lives in us and the same spirit that was in you is in us, Lord. Thank you that we have in us all the power that we need to love these children um, with neurodiversity. Lord, thank you that you have given us this gift of your spirit um, to love these children and young people. Lord, bless um, these uh, youth workers and people in front of me, Lord, with a great day and inspired by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you have any questions or if you'd like to talk with us or pray or anything at all, please come and see us. The panel's here and um, myself and Tex are around. God bless. Have a great day.